Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Gordon Morrison, CEO of ASVA, the Association of Scottish Visitor Attractions. We discuss the state of the Scottish attraction sector, the need for more personal premium experiences, and what's happening at Scotland's National Tourism Industry Conference. If you like what you hear, subscribe on all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Gordon, welcome to Skip the Queue. Thank you so much for, for having me, Kelly. I'm, I'm guessing that you've started at the bottom and you're going to work your way up for the rest <laughs> of the series. No, it doesn't work like that at all. Started at the top. Gordon, started <laughs> at the top. Um, but as you know, you, I know that you listen to the podcast, so we're going into our icebreaker questions. I'm going to ask you what your favourite film is and why it isn't Top Gun. Wow, that's a great question. How did you know it's not Top Gun? Because <laughs> Top Gun is a is a wonderful movie. I am a child of the of the nineteen eighties. Uh, I, I I could be obvious, and I could go down the Star Wars route because I am a big Star Wars fan. But however, undoubtedly, the greatest movie ever made is National Lampoon's Vacation. Yes, that's a great film. Is is just beautiful in every way. It is it is funny. It is moving. It is heartwarming, and it's also a bit crude. Yeah. <laughs> all of the things that I really enjoy. So, so I, I and I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Chevy Chase fan, a huge Same. Chevy Chase fan. Uh, I had the the opportunity to meet him a few years ago in London. He actually uh, was over in London, uh, and and I paid a considerable amount of money to do a meet and greet with uh, with uh, the, the great man himself. That's so amazing. I, yeah, I don't I know anyone it. that's done one of those. This is this really? is news to me. No, I, I would not do it for for for. Probably not for anyone else, but but for Chevy Chase, I was determined to meet him before he pops his claws. Because he's, he's getting on. He's he's yeah, getting yeah. he's an older man nowadays. Uh, I also I also love the Three Amigos as well. I should say, and uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short are also two uh, fantastic comedy actors, and, and they've actually got a great show on Disney Plus just now, uh, which is is well worth watching. But however, uh, Chevy Chase is my idol. National Lampoon's Vacation. I I don't know how many times I've watched it, but I can pretty much recite it. I love this. Uh, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is... Probably um, the second greatest movie of all time and, yeah. and become, becomes the greatest movie of all time. At, at Christmas. Christmas time, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say that... Uh, is it my is it my favourite Christmas film? It's, it's up there one or... It's definitely one or two. I think that and Home Alone are like the two. that They're the ones Excellent. that I would watch. Excellent. Every single Christmas. Got to watch those. Yeah. Oh, this is, uh, this is great. I'm finding out so much about you today. Um, okay, if you had a human body, which you do but the head of an animal, what animal would you pick? Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question that, that I, I haven't thought about before, strangely enough. Um, I think if I could have any animal's head, I, I'd, I'd want it to be a really cute puppy. That's what I'd want it to be. You know, I, I think you've got some dog-like qualities to me, to me anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, loyal. I, yeah, yeah, very, very loyal. Like to sniff my own bum, that sort of stuff. You know, so I, yeah, I, I think, I think a, a, a cute, uh, maybe a golden retriever or a Labrador, because um, it'd also be quite useful to have a, a really powerful nose and, and be able to sniff out trouble and things like that. So yeah, yeah. but more, ma- mainly because I do, I do quite enjoy getting my, my head stroked. So it'd be quite nice to, to, to constantly have that happening to me. <laughs> learning so much about you today Gordon um, I would go giraffe because um as we met in person a little while ago we are both slightly vertically challenged we are so I thought giraffe would help me um grab stuff from the top shelves so you're including the neck then as part yeah, of this yeah, yeah 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 that's part of your head kind of isn't it yeah, yeah. absolutely um okay uh, if you could be in the Guinness book of records 
What record-breaking feat would you attempt? I would attempt the longest continuous Elvis tribute act performance. <laughs> I, I I said that Chevy Chase is my idol. He absolutely is. But I'm also a massive Elvis Presley fan to the extent that I used to, on occasion, don the outfit and take the stage <gasps> as Elvis Presley. Is there any video evidence of this? No, there is oh, not because it was uh, in the in the uh, sort of mid to late nineties or early was it early two thousands? No, it was early two thousands that, that I did this, and it was still really early stages of mobile phones and all that sort of stuff. So oh. therefore, there is unfortunately no footage. But listen, if you want me to record something, <laughs> I'll do well, it. I mean, I'm thinking at some point next year of doing you know a group meetup for podcast you know, guests and listeners. So maybe you could be the entertainment. I have a gold lamy suit and I also have a jumpsuit. So there's, there's, whether I can still fit into them is an entirely different, but but surely that looks even better. That's more authentic. Completely authentic. You are hired. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And what is your unpopular opinion? Joe, I'll go, I'll go topical. Adele is rubbish. Oh God. Cannot stand anything that she does. Nothing at all? Nope, I think I've never had a little weepy moment to an Adele song. Not once. You are stone cold. Well, I've had a weepy moment, but the weepy moment is more, I'm like, good grief, get this awful banshee off of my, my radio. Uh, wow. I, I cannot stand anything that she does. I think her, her vocal style is lazy. Oh, Gordon. I think she sings in a lazy way. I don't even know where to go with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Started with a bombshell, people. Uh, let keeping me know. it topical. That's good, isn't it? Come on, keeping it, it topical. It is topical. Let me know how you feel about that, listeners. <laughs> I'm feeling uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> and I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. So, Gordon and I, listeners, if you don't follow me, oh, did I put this on? I think I put this on Twitter. If you don't follow me on Twitter, why not? Um, but Gordon and I met in 2020. We met in COVID times, but we met virtually. So, we didn't actually see each other when we first met. Gordon and I were at the Visitor Attractions Conference, uh, which was which which actually brilliant, a brilliant virtual conference in 2020 that they were you know forced to do because of COVID. Um, and Gordon came to visit me on my virtual stand, which if you've ever done a virtual stand at a virtual conference, it's a very, very lonely place. Not many people come and check in on you. It's hard enough when it's an actual stand and you have to drag people to speak to you, but a virtual one, yeah, it's tough times. Anyway, Gordon came over, had a little chat. And then we arranged to have a Zoom meeting, which we then had a great Zoom meeting. Um, but I was a bit poorly and I did it in my pyjamas. <laughs> because that's how all the best Zoom meetings start, in your pyjamas. And then since then, we've gone on to do a few webinars for ASVA and their members. And the two of us have, have, have spoken quite a few times. And we actually got to meet in real life a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? At the Visitor Attractions Conference. Obviously, lovely to meet you in person and, and see other people I've only communicated with via this medium before. So it was it was a, a quite special, actually. It really was quite special. And it was lovely to see just how diminutive you are, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Such a big personality. It's a diminutive form. Big gob, small stature. I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's how I would be described. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about ASVA and what your role is there. Okay, so uh, ASVA is short for the Association of Scottish Visitor Attractions. We are the the trade body that represents the attraction sector in Scotland. We have over 250 member organisations 
uh, which equates to roughly 500 visitor attractions all across the, the country. Uh, I'm the chief executive. I've been the chief executive there for, for three years, a particularly interesting last two years, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yep. And, and really the organisation, almost almost like the way that our, our members have had to pivot during the pandemic, ASVA had to pivot during the pandemic. We, we, we certainly existed initially to uh, provide inspiration and best practice. That, that's really what we were there to do, shine a light on all that was great and good happening, not just in the attraction sector in Scotland, but uh, uh, nationally and internationally as well. Um, during the pandemic, we, we really had to become much more of a lobbying organisation. I had to cut my lobbying teeth very quickly. Uh, Kelly, and uh, you know, it's fortunate to work with some some great people within the industry that helped me with that as well. You, I know that you had Bernard on your your, your podcast the other week, who's a very experienced lobbyist, and I learned from from people like him. Um, we also had to take everything online as an organisation, which is, is is truly fascinating for us because we we were an organisation that did everything in person, absolutely everything in person. We were thirty two years old and had never once hosted a an, an online event, online meeting. Then pandemic hits, everything changes, and we have now run something like 60 online workshops or, or, or events throughout the pandemic, all, all about supporting the sector, helping the sector get through to, to, to where we are today, which is still not uh, in, a, in a perfect situation. There's still many challenges ahead for the industry. But ASVA have played a, a hugely important role in informing the sector and supporting the sector and fighting for the sector throughout the pandemic. At the height of the pandemic, we were actually producing daily bulletins that went out across the, the entirety of, of the industry about what they needed to know, all very much tailored to, to the visitor attraction sector. Nothing cut and pasted from any other uh, areas. It was all tailored specifically to uh, visitor attractions. We've had many, many meetings with, uh, with, the, Scottish, with the Scottish government in particular, uh, but also the UK government as well, to, to highlight just how desperate it was for a spell. Just how desperate it was for, for a spell. And we were successful in getting funding for the visitor attraction sector in Scotland, which I'm, I was particularly proud that, that, that we were able to do. And indeed, we, were, we, we helped to ensure that when, when we got the funding, that funding went to the right places and went to the, 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 the attractions that needed it the most. And therefore, we got ourselves into a situation where our sector has not had the catastrophic failure that we feared it, it may have had uh, whilst things are still not great, and I know we'll, we'll talk a bit about that shortly, uh, we, we are now seeing, hopefully, some of the green shoots of, of recovery, and, right. uh, and we'll, we'll get the sector back on an even keel in 2022. That's really that's really good to hear, and we are going to talk about that in a minute. But I just want to, just something that you mentioned about how, you know, when this, when this all kicked off, when the pandemic happened, I mean, that must have been unbelievably overwhelming for you, because not only are you looking at your own organisation and saying, well, we have got to change absolutely every way that we've done things in the past. You know, everything has to change now. We can't do any in person whatsoever. So having to deal with all of that, whilst also, like you say, learning how to lobby. So putting that hat on and then being there as a support and I, and I guess, you know, a, a shoulder to for people to cry on, scream at, you know, shout out whatever they needed to do for all of your members as well. That must have been an unbelievably overwhelming time. Like how how did you feel? Yeah, I mean, overwhelming is the correct word because, um, and of course, but none of us had ever been through anything like this before. That's that's the thing. There was there was no guidebook for this. There was nowhere for 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 me to turn and say, "What well, what have you done when we've 
previously seen a, 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 a pandemic such as this. We, we had never seen anything like this before. Uh, you mentioned being a shoulder to cry on or, 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 or cry at. That, that genuinely happened on quite a lot of occasions. You know, I, I had, I, I had um, members phone me up uh, in tears, sometimes angry tears, sometimes just sad tears. And, and that, was, that was particularly challenging when, when sometimes you didn't have answers you didn't have, you couldn't you couldn't just tell tell them oh everything is going to be okay because if it, it didn't necessarily look like everything was going to be okay yeah. um i think for, for for me there was one crucial decision that, that i made which at the time didn't actually feel crucial but um we we, we looked at ourselves and our own operation at asvan we're, we're a pretty small team kelly there's actually only um at, well at the time there was only three of us working for the for the organisation, and I and I was and still am the only full time member of staff. Uh, as well, we've, we've got two and a half full time equivalent staff working for us at the moment. We had at the height of the pandemic just two full time equivalent staff working for us. Um, we had an office in Glasgow, and uh, I, I I took the decision that whilst we would we would get rid of our office and, and felt that we didn't need an office anymore, we would not scale down our operations. We, we were there to support our sector. We would actually scale up and we would do more to support the sector, which you know, it, was a, it was a difficult decision because the, the, the obvious thing to do is, was protect the business. You know? And so therefore, why don't we put the team on furlough and, and, and you'll ride, ride this through? But however, it was, a, it was a no-brainer for me in the end yeah. to say, no, we, 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 are, we are there to, to support uh, our sector. And therefore, we, like I said, we scaled up what we did. We, we pushed everything online. We, we, learned, we learned really fast. I uh, developed really close contacts within the Scottish government as well, not, not necessarily always talking to the ministers. Officials are often the right people to get in front of and, and talk to. And, um, and, and as a result, ASVA actually grew we were really worried at the beginning of the pandemic that we would lose members, obviously, because you think, well, who, who can afford a membership mm-hmm. fee when they've got huge, huge financial problems? Uh, but actually what we found was that not only did we retain our members, we, we grew our membership because of that desire that we had to truly, genuinely support the industry. And I have to thank my own board as well, the board of directors at ISVA, for giving me steer on what the industry needed. You know, that, that we've, got, we've got 12 board members who all work within the, the attraction sector, and, uh, and and they were there at a drop of a hat every time I needed them. I said, "Right, what do we think of this? What do we what, what do we think of this new guidance that's come out from from the Scottish government? What does that mean for our sector?" And I could then feed back because the Scottish government were very much looking for me to feed back from the attraction sector and say, "Right, this is what this is what this will mean. This is what will happen to the attraction sector if you do this." So, but I, I do think that decision to um, scale up rather than rather than contract and just try and save ourselves was the crucial, crucial decision, crucial decision for ASVA, but also for the sector as well, because we really did uh, step up to another level at that point. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, the amount of, of kind of content that went out, and the webinars that you put on and the research, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about now, actually, because throughout the pandemic, you were, um, you know, surveying the, the, the sector, finding out what, you know, what was happening, where they were at, what the visitor numbers were like, and you've just released the the latest survey which was conducted by the Moffat Centre which let me read this out it reveals that a majority of Scottish attractions are still in survival mode which is not surprising the sector is not seeing any evidence of a staycation boom and obviously the press have talked about staycation boom a lot Um, I think UK attractions have 
mixed results in that depending on where they are located up and down the country but Scotland seems to not be seeing any evidence of that so can we talk about that how how's the sector currently feeling so I I think firstly on the 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 point about being in survival mode that is still the case universally I would say across across doesn't matter which part of the of the the UK you're in I think that the the vast majority of, of the sector is still in survival mode rather than recovery mode. I actually was fortunate enough to attend the Association of Visitor Experience and Attractions Conference in Ireland, uh, attended that virtually, and it was exactly the same narrative there, that they are are still in survival, but looking towards a recovery. And that's that's where our sector is in Scotland. We We are in survival mode, but very optimistic that we will get, we, we will recover rather than now thinking we, we are going to lose, you know, 50%, whatever, of the of the sector. But but in, in terms of the staycation boom, it's it, it's been a really, this is an area where I've been banging my head against the wall sometimes, Kelly, because it, it's actually impossible for the majority of visitor attractions in Scotland and indeed in, in other parts of the UK, or it has been impossible for us to have, for us to truly benefit from the staycation boom. Because don't get me wrong, I, I agree that there have been lots of domestic visitors. There have been lots of people going on holiday in, in, in the UK because, frankly, they've had no other opportunity or no other uh, option than, than to go on holiday in the UK. But there have been restrictions in place, and let's not forget this, there have been restrictions in place uh, in, in Scotland on things like uh, what we call it physical distancing, social distancing in, mm-hmm. in, in England. Th- these restrictions weren't lifted in Scotland. We still had uh, physical distancing restrictions in place right through to mid-August. And if you've got restrictions in place that limit, that severely limit the number of visitors that you can physically get in your door, you, you can be at capacity. You can be, right, we're, we're at 100% capacity, which sounds fantastic, but that 100% capacity is actually only 20, 30% yeah. of, of where you would normally be. And, and therefore, we have missed the majority of the traditional season. And by missing the, the, the majority of the traditional season, you're then left with a very small window of opportunity, sort of mid-August to... Uh, October holidays, just beyond October holidays, to to make your money, and and that's a that's a very limited window. Let's be honest, yeah. that really is, and that's why our sector's still in survival mode as we go into the winter. I think perhaps the most telling, uh, start one of the most telling stats from the survey was um, in relation to the the amount of reserves that attractions still had, and we've got more than one in five visitor attractions in Scotland holding fewer than three months reserves. Right, that. Why is that important? That is important because the winter is longer than three months and, and, and you need those reserves. to. In a, in, a, in a good year, you need those reserves to see you through the winter. That's how attractions operate. They make their money in the summer to then see them through the winter. Mm-hmm. So that's where the, the, the issues still exist for our sector. And again, it was interesting at the, at the Irish conference to see that the, the, the latest budget has just been published by the, the Irish government and they have pledged to continue their version of the coronavirus job retention scheme right through to spring of next right. year. And and they've also pledged an extra 50 million euros of support for tourism businesses to get them through to next season. And I think that's very telling that they have recognised the call that's come from the, the, the tourism industry in, in Ireland is we are still in survival mode. Let us get through to, to next season when we will fully lead the recovery and I think that's a lesson that, that still needs to be heard in both Scotland and the UK because there, there's still, there seems to be a feeling that well you've made it through well done guys you've made it through but there's still a proportion of the sector that will 
face a very difficult winter ahead. So you're, are you still in lobbying mode then? Because oh, it feels like, yeah, so you, you, this, the sector still needs support. So you're still, you know, the results of this, of this survey say that very, very clearly. So you're still in lobbying mode. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it, the, the survey is, is produced, um, we, we like to to, to uh, do it for our members and they can get an idea of where they are sitting in comparison to, to other parts of the sector. But primarily, I, I'll be fully honest with you, we do it so that I can then use it in, in my lobbying efforts. You know, the, the first person that received this, uh, this survey, survey results was the tourism minister, the, the very first person. <laughs> Bang, there you go. Can we now meet and, and, and discuss this? Um, don't get me wrong, it's, it's a challenge because... Um, you, you know, there's also an element of politics being played uh, in, in, in the UK, as, as, as you'll know, Kelly, the, the fact that the, the Scottish government takes a, a different route from the, the UK government. Sometimes that, that route is taken for, as far as I'm concerned, for political reasons to, to create a differentiation. But also that there are challenges about things. When I, when I speak to the tourism minister and say we really could use the, the coronavirus job retention scheme extended or we could use the VAT uh, cut to be extended further, those are not really issues that he can do much about other than agree other than yeah. say yes i 100 agree with that uh that that's then reserved at the uk level which is why it's hugely important that that i also uh, feed into the lobbying that's done at uk level as well by the likes of of bernard and others mm-hmm. so yeah okay so let's have a little mo- look more at the some of the, the stats that have come in so it says here almost half so 47.5 percent of the sector has seen a decrease in visitor numbers of greater than 50% this year compared to the same period in 2019. I mean, again, that's not shocking, is it? Because like you say, you've had so many restrictions still in place for longer than the UK attractions. That, that's entirely it. And it says turnover is down by fifty by over 50% at a third of attractions um, when compared to the same period in 2019. Again, not a shock, is it? It's not. None of this is a surprise. No. What can be done about it? What's the What's the positives that can well, be taken? Well, yeah, from? I think let's let that's important to emphasize here, Kelly. Is, is that you know, don't get me wrong. Well, I'm doing my lobbying. I'm painting the doom and gloom picture to to the to the to, to the government uh, to try and leverage as much support as we can get. But however, there are uh, positives emerging from the 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 pandemic just now. For, for a start. When you delve into the data in a, in a, in a bit more detail, um, it's clear that the numbers are getting better. You know, the, we, we are seeing an improving picture just now. And, and indeed, uh, you, you mentioned yourself, it depends on what type of, of, of business that you have and where, where in the country you're located. You know, if, if you were to, 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 to look at, um, for example, wildlife-related attractions or animal-related attractions, um, they, they are, they're, they're booming. They, they are absolutely booming just now, or at least the majority of them are booming just now. We, we, we just published our, our um, uh, visitor figures for ASBA members for the month of August. Uh, so that's the most recent data that we've got. And uh, um, the, the wildlife operators were up by 14% on 2019 levels. Oh, wow. wow. They're, they're up on 2019, which is, which is incredible. That really is, I mean, primarily driven by the huge popularity of Edinburgh Zoo, it has to be said, which you, you can imagine if you're an outdoor family attraction, it's, it's a good time for you. Speaking as a, as, a, as a dad, you're desperate to take your kids somewhere. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely desperate to do that. And, and a, a zoo is an absolutely fantastic place to, to take the kids. So, so it's not universally the case that things are awful. Uh, that's, that's the first point. And we are seeing a, 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 genuine, a generally improving picture um, month upon month. If you look at the figures from July compared to sorry, June, compared to July, compared to August, it's, it's, it's going in the right direction. And of course, we have now... 
got rid of uh, the, the physical distancing restrictions entirely, uh, which releases the sector to actually uh, begin to trade at a viable level. Um, although, interestingly, um, in, in the survey, we, we did ask members whether they were maintaining restrictions themselves. And uh, you know, many, many were. That in fact, we had was it ninety two percent of of the sector said that they were going to uh, maintain COVID safety measures above and beyond what was required by law. And that, that again is useful for me when it comes to lobbying because what it shows is that our sector puts the safety of visitors and staff above everything else. You cannot necessarily say that about every sector in the UK, but for our sector, we have consistently proven throughout the pandemic that we are putting safety and well-being above everything else. And and, and therefore, therefore, for me, if there are, you know, we're seeing COVID spiking again, let's not, let's not beat around the bush here. The the number of cases is is at, uh, I think it's highest level for uh, something like six, seven months. It's, 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 a, it's a huge, huge increase. If, if further restrictions are introduced again, uh, I think it's that what I've already spoken to the Scottish government about as well. Our sector is the one sector that actually you're not seeing any transmission come from because we are very, very responsible. And, and I would hope that that would be recognised if restrictions get introduced again. Well, I was going to ask about the locality thing. So obviously in the UK, a lot of during lockdown, there was a lot of appreciation for where you lived. I think that's that's how we, we looked at it. You know, people went out on their their hours walk of exercise and they found new places to visit. But they actually, you know, you've you've seen that kind of boost in tourism to the local places. You know, people shopping more local. And again, that was happening prior to pre pandemic. That was a, a a a trend anyway. But I think you know we're still seeing that happen. People staying local, people visiting. Is that is it the same in Scotland? Are you finding that? Absolutely, and and. On top of, of, of the fact that we're, 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 we're getting more of a sense of place, and I, and I think attraction operators are actually understanding that sense of place yeah. a bit better as well. Um, on top of that, the visitors that are coming to see us, our, our local bread and butter visitors, are spending money, Kelly. They really are spending money. And that's that's a key lesson that we need to take away from this. Uh, secondary spend in shops and in, in, in cafes is, is considerably up on pre-pandemic levels across the board. Uh, now that's a combination. I think that, that uh, you know visitors have maybe got a wee bit of disposable income to spend after being stuck in lockdown for for a, a long period of time. But also they want to spend. They want they want to get out there and spend some money. And indeed, they are having a good experience. And that that's probably the crucial point here. Uh, again, looking at, at, at the results from from our most recent survey, we we asked a question about right, what's happened to your visitor reviews. Are, are your visitor reviews on, on TripAdvisor on on Google, whatever whatever platform you use, are they are they improving? Are they are they uh, are they getting worse? And for the majority of of the sector, the the reviews have actually improved throughout the pandemic, and and that is because uh, visitors have had more time more staff interaction and uh, a more personalized experience. Now, by having that more time, more personalized experience, they, they then are more inclined to, to spend money. And this is not your rich international visitor. This is not the international visitor who's going to want to take back an expensive souvenir. This is a local domestic visitor who's coming to your attraction and they are having a really great experience and therefore they are spending money. And that is that is the key lesson that I think we have to take uh, and the key positive that we can take out of the, the the pandemic, which is that I think attractions have had the opportunity in the various lockdowns to think about 
to take a breath almost and think about their, their, their offering and what they're doing for their visitors. I think, right, are we doing everything we can do to ensure that our visitors get a great experience? Is the, is the, is, is the model of cram as many visitors into your attraction as possible the right model? That we want to operate, mm-hmm. and it's 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 proven it's proven to be through the, the pandemic that that is not what we should be doing. We, what we should be doing is, is providing a high quality experience, which then encourages the visitors that we do have to spend a bit more money with us. And that's where we're going now. That's yeah. the direction of travel that we're going in. We're not going to see pre-pandemic levels of visitation for many many years, possibly ever again. You know, I, I and I, I've spoken about this before in, in, in various meetings that I've attended. You know, if we take somewhere like uh, Edinburgh Castle as an example, Edinburgh Castle over two million visitors in 2019. If if you speak to Historic Environment Scotland about that, you know, whilst it was you know big success to to have that that number of visitors, was it actually great for the castle itself? Mm. Was it great for the visitor experience? Not certainly not as good as it could be. Therefore, we we, we should be moving more to the model of it's been spoken about before, um, value rather than volume. And, and that, that is where we are 100% going. And I, and I think that's going to be really positive for the sector. And also, um, I think the sector actually now begins to understand what their value is. And, and, and you know, the fact that they are offering, you, you, attractions in Scotland and, and across the UK are actually offering really unique, memorable experiences, really fantastic experiences. And shouldn't be scared, therefore, to charge accordingly for those experiences. And we have seen some some of our operators in Scotland have, have increased their pricing or are delivering a premium version of their standard experience and charging a bit more to do that. And that, to me, is the way that we, we should be going as a sector and we will continue to go as a sector. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's, it's weird, actually. I, talked for, uh, I gave a talk for um, Anglia Ruskin University uh, back in summer um, about that very concept of attractions having less visitors a more personalized experience that they will pay more money for so ultimately less visitors doesn't mean less revenue and that's exactly where I see the sector going and that actually leads really nicely onto a new attraction that's opened that has that mentality Um, and that's the Johnny Walker experience that's just opened which looks absolutely incredible and I know that you've been lucky enough to go and visit already haven't you yeah and it it is actually the perfect model kelly for what we've just spoken about yeah. there you know it, it is an outstanding visitor experience it, it's truly unique and it's personalized to yourself uh the, the way I've, I've i've talked about it since i've been is that you know you, you go in and you you're immediately met firstly with a smiling face which is always a nice thing to be met with although behind the mask but still a smiling face, and and you're instructed to create your own flavor profile for for uh, your 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 best ever Johnny Walker drink. It's it's like the Tinder of whiskey, you know, where you're you're swiping left or swiping right on, on whether you like mango or whether you like uh, apple or whatever, uh, and and you then it then creates a your your ideal flavor profile. You get a wristband that that is color coded, and when you go up to to experience uh, the next part of the experience. You, you present this wristband to a, a dispenser and it pours for you your ideal 
highball, Johnny Walker That's highball. Clever. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I don't know how it works. And, and for all I know, you're just everyone's getting the exact same highball. I don't. I don't. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but the experience is exactly. That you, it's personalised to you. That, that's exactly right. And, and what what Johnny Walker, what Diageo have have successfully done with with this experience is, is they've they, they've said right, we're we're not going to create a a, a high volume, low value experience. They, they limit the numbers on their tours to to a really low level. It's never going to feature in the top 10 most visited attractions in Scotland or the UK. It's, n- it's never going to feature in there because they, they're, they're, they're limiting the numbers. But but they are, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying this, unashamedly charging a premium for it. You know, it, it's, it's, it's 25 quid if you want to undertake that experience, which in, a, in a, you know, an attraction ticket entry price is, is, is a high price point. It is a high price point to do that. But that is because you're going to get a unique personalised experience. And of course, they're chucking in a highball there as well, which is a nice thing. <laughs> Oh, high praise indeed there. I'm going to give my friend, my good friend, Kasia, is actually a brand, the brand home experience manager at Johnny Walker. So she'll be, I hope that she's listening. She'll be thrilled to hear such, such fabulous feedback. That is a must visit, Kelly. I, 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 I'm not just saying that to, you know, because they're ASVA members, but anyone who gets the opportunity to visit Edinburgh, it's, it's a truly unique experience. And topped off by this incredible rooftop bar that has got the best panoramic views over Edinburgh. Edinburgh Castle will argue they've got the best panoramic views of the city, but what the, the Johnny Walker Princess Street has got is a view of the castle as well. And they haven't got the whiskey, have they? Let's that's true, it. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> They've not got the whiskey to have up there. <laughs> um, I love that that's, I, I really would like to see where this leads. I would love to see other attractions adopting this model. So it'll be really interesting to catch up maybe a year from now and see how attractions have kind of shifted their offer in Scotland to see if that if they follow suit in terms of this kind of premium level, better experience, less visitor numbers. I, I, I think they're going to have to, Kelly. That's that's the interesting thing here is, is I still speak to a lot of, of my members who are waiting for things to go back to normal. That's how they put it. You know, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. And my answer to that is that they're not going to go back to normal. There's pre-pandemic times and then there is... is, is Post, post-pandemic times or pandemic times because pandemic's not going away. They, they we're mm. still going to have COVID-19 uh, for, for uh, many years to come. And, and I think that, that the sector has to embrace this now and say, right, okay, well, if we are not going to have those pre-pandemic level of visitation, we all have to adapt to the experiences. And with, without doing a, a, a shameless plug, but why not? Um, we, we're hosting a conference this year in November. And, and that is a big theme of the conference is, is looking at how you are shaping, how you're creating those memorable experiences in this new normal that, 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 that we live in. Yeah. And, and we'll be really shouting from the rooftops about that. Let's talk about the conference. So Scotland's National Tourism Industry Conference, 24th to the 25th of November. This is the a culmination, really, of all of the support that you've been giving to your members throughout the pandemic anyway. So what's what's going to be there? Why should people come? Yeah, I mean, it's... Firstly, we're, we're absolutely delighted to be hosting it both in person and online. Um, again, throughout the pandemic, uh, what, one of the great things for ASVA actually throughout the pandemic, Kelly, was that um, we delivered a, this host of, of, of great workshops online, including including some with yourself, of course, and um, it opened us up to a much bigger audience. You know, we, when we were delivering in-person events, we, we would be delighted if we got, say, 40 people to attend one of our workshops maybe 50 people to attend one of our workshops and it's like, that's a great turnout that's really great 
by delivering and, and, and all all often from the central belt of Scotland, you know, everyone from Edinburgh or Glasgow. Uh, whereas when we hosted a, 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 an events online, we opened it up to, to a much larger audience and, and we had our members from Shetland, from out to Hebrides and, and, and far flung areas joining us and taking part in these sessions. So therefore when it come when it came to the, the, the conference this year we, we had a clear idea that we wanted to do it in person because we think the sector wants to get back together, but it also needed that online element as well. So regardless of, of, of where you are, and indeed, regardless of whether you're an ASVA member, you can actually attend the, the, the conference uh, virtually if you if you would like to do so. Uh, we're also doing it in partnership with uh, uh, other leading associations in, in Scotland, including the Scottish Tourism Alliance, who are sort of the overarching tourism association representing the attraction sector and we're doing that intentionally because we want to not just bring attractions together we want to bring the whole industry the entirety of the 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 scottish tourism industry together as much to celebrate that we've made it this far as anything else it's really important to acknowledge that isn't it it's been so tough it's been massively massively difficult and we've all had many stresses and strains throughout the pandemic not all of us have given birth to a child of course during (laughs) kelly which is an even bigger stress and strain but but however it has been a hugely difficult time uh and 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 we want to bring the sector together to just say pat in the back well done guys we have made it through to this level now let's push on yeah let's push on to the next level and that that is what the, the the theme of the conference really is about you know the part that i'm so I'm leading one of the days of the conference and I'm really excited about the, the part that I'm leading, which is all about delivering memorable experiences. As we move into uh, the, the year of Scotland stories, 2022, Scotland, yes. Uh, yeah, Scotland has themed years every year. Uh, there's, a, there's a tourism related theme year. So this year we're in the, the year of Coast and Waters, for example. Um, and, and, and like I said, next year we move into the year of Scotland stories, which is a wonderful theme year for visitor attractions because yeah we're all about storytelling yeah. that's what we are we're it's all about deli- yeah exactly so so we are really every every part of the conference has got some link to delivering memorable experiences and delivering great stories and, and, but what we're trying to do kelly is is really put it in a, a, a not an airy fairy way at all as in put it in a, a commercial way <laughs> so right this this is how this is what delivering a great story will mean for your business. This is how you can actually improve business performance by delivering these great stories. And we've got we've got a host of, of, of wonderful speakers coming along. Uh, I'm most excited, if you don't mind me saying it, I'm most excited about the fact that we've got the creative director from Walt Disney Imagineering joining us to talk about uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser experience that, 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 that Walt Disney World is introducing next year. That's which a bit is, of a coup, isn't it? You've got that. You've got yeah. that. Speaker, it's amazing. It is because that's a mind-blowing story. They don't even call it storytelling; they call it call it a story living experience because you you actually go and live on a star cruiser in the Star Wars universe for two days. Kelly, I'm there. I am there. <laughs> it's blowing your mind, isn't it? Uh, oh my say. goodness! Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but actually, referring back to what we spoke about earlier, what's what's interesting about it is that's a premium experience. That that is that's about as premium as it gets. They are they are not ashamed of the fact that they are charging six thousand dollars for a two night experience six thousand dollars and they they know that they will get an audience for that but that's because it's a high quality truly unique storytelling experience and those are the lessons that we're looking for our sector on a smaller scale 
to take. You know, I'm not I'm not saying to our members right the way you have that, the way you create memorable experiences, have lightsaber duels throughout it. You know that that is not that is not well, as much as I Why would not? love that. I would love that at the, at the Johnny Walker <laughs> Princess Street. That'd be fantastic. Uh, I, I think I think what what attractions need to do is think about what their unique stories can be, and then and then implement those storytelling experiences at their attractions. And, and they will find that they can charge a, 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 an appropriate level to, to their visitors because the visitors will eat these things up. They will want these truly unique, different experiences. And so that's what we're covering at, at the conference. And it's going to be it's going to be a wonderful couple of days. It really is. Uh, it really sounds it. And I will be there in, in I will be there virtually. I'd love Fantastic. to be there in real life next year. Definitely, I don't Absolutely. think uh, I don't think that tiny person that I go first to would be <laughs> too comfortable with me leaving her for a couple no. of nights to head up to, head up to Scotland. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I do think that that conference is going to be a real celebration of just like you say, like yes, we've absolutely made it. We've made it to this far. Now, what can we do to push on and be better? You know, open 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 better. That's what we need. to to, to be driving the message of and that's absolutely going to do that at that conference so i'm super excited about it thank you um we are at the end of our podcast interview and i always ask i guess for a, a book recommendation so something that you love or something that's helped shape your career just something that you'd like to share with our listeners i had a long think about this kelly about what what i would <laughs> what i would recommend uh, for, for a book uh, you know i'm an educated man i'm, I'm a historian I, I, I could I could recommend some really great historical texts and uh, uh, some very worthy books that that have helped to educate me and and, and take me to the level that, that I am today. But I, feel no, like I feel like you're not going that way. Though. I'm not going to go that way <laughs> at all because it's not it's not actually who I am. Uh, I I am I'm deeply in love, deeply in love with Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read any Calvin and Hobbes before. I haven't, no. But, uh, so, so for those who don't know, it's it's a it's a comic strip, effectively a newspaper comic strip uh, that, uh, from the from the United States uh, that, that has been brought into a whole series of different collections that, that, that are available in all good bookshops. And um, it, it's two characters: Calvin is is a, a five year old boy, and Hobbes is his uh, tiger. Uh, and Hobbes is a stuffed tiger who only comes to life in front of Calvin and there's a question about whether Calvin whether Hobbes is real and just no one else gets to see him as, as being real or whether it's all in Calvin's imagination uh, it is it, Calvin is is, is, is a, a wee cynical uh, hilarious uh, boy and, and Hobbes is a much more stoic and measured uh, uh, character and combined they, they, they have these incredible adventures and it really is uh, it's a moral compass thing. That, that's the only way I can put Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes is a moral compass thing. If you, 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 you can read Calvin and Hobbes and, and it will set you straight on the path that you need to be going on because, because they, they, they are righteous. <laughs> they are genuinely righteous. <laughs> and it's, it's also hilarious. It's one of the most hilarious things you could, you could ever read. My, my favourite, I mean, the, any of them are good, Kelly, because I know you'll, you'll then say, right, you, you know, here's one that you can look at. Uh, I, I would say that... Uh, there's treasure everywhere. is a is a great compendium, and uh, uh, and and the the last one that was ever produced uh, is called "It's a Magical World," and it has the most beautiful end story of of any story that you could ever want to read. Uh, and the last words of it are "It's a Magical World," and uh, it's just I'm actually I can feel my emotions rising oh, as I talk God. about it just now. Uh, so so 
Calvin and Hobbes, it's a magical world. I would urge everyone in the world to read it. You will feel you will feel like a, a million dollars. Oh, what an absolutely wonderful book recommendation to end this podcast interview on. It's, that's perfect. Well, as ever, if you want to win a copy of Gordon's book, then head over to our Twitter account, which is Skip the Queue, and retweet this episode announcement with the comment, I want Gordon's book, and you could be in with the chance of winning it. I feel all emotional. This is how I feel when I listen to Adele. Oh, <laughs> oh you've just ruined it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.